0: This is the Adoptive Bond Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. What is up, you guys? My name is Alex Benning, and this is the Adoptive Bond Podcast, season three, episode six, featuring my special guest, Missy Worley. I've been wanting to do an episode on kinship adoption for a very long time, but I didn't have a clue who to interview that would have an amazing voice for this unique form of adoption. So like any good podcast host, I crowdsourced it. And oh my goodness, did you guys deliver? Missy and her husband took placement of Missy's biological niece while they were still engaged, y'all. They adopted her, had some bio kids, and also adopted through foster care. They're basically ballers. I love their story and all of the wisdom that Missy is about to lay down for you guys. But first, I want to remind you guys to connect with me and the podcast on social media. I really want to connect with you guys. So if you haven't already, you can find those links in the show notes. But pretty much if you search the Adoptive Mom podcast or Alex Fitton on any of the social medias, then you'll be able to find me. Also in the show notes, you'll be able to find great links and resources mentioned in this episode and the links for to find Missy on social media. And that's, of course, at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Another great way to stay up to date is to join Team AMP, my weekly email list. You'll get a special note from me, links to the episode, show notes, and more directly to your inbox every single week. It's amazing, and you're totally missing out if you haven't signed up yet. So what are you waiting for? You can do that now while you listen, like right now. Do it now. Um, Okay, so I think that's all I have for you as far as intros go. So let's hop over to my interview with Missy. All right guys, welcome to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I am here with Missy Worley and I'm so excited cuz I've I've never met you in person. I've seen you a lot in our like circle, you know, I think we have a lot of mutual friends, but I didn't know your story until recently and I'm so excited to hear more of it. So, welcome to the podcast Missy. How's it going? Good, thank you. I'm I'm glad to be here. Yay! Can you take a second and introduce us to yourself and your family and all that fun stuff?
1: Yes, let me give you the the rundown. So, um, <laughs> yeah, let me think about that. Um, so, yeah, Missy Worley. I'm married to um, Ryan Worley. Um, we have five kids that we call our Forever Five, and um, we. So, my husband is a bivocational pastor. So he um, pastors our church. And he also uh, manages the local um, cancer support home here in Fayetteville. Um, and so our kiddos, our oldest is 11. And then our next is, uh, he just turned seven. And then we have two four-year-olds and a one-year-old.
0: Goodness. So you, yeah, yeah. you run that, you run that gamut a lot. Like there's, yes, <laughs> it starts young and ends, ends high. So that's, must keep you on your toes a lot. I know a little bit of that. So I feel you in the the struggle. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, and I I do get to stay home with them. So that's, that's what I um, spend my, uh, my days doing. Yeah. That's so fun.
0: So I know that. So not all of them. um, I think you have a few different methods of adoption in your family, right? Yes, that's right.
1: So our oldest um, is biologically my niece. And I can go through kind of that uh, in a little bit because that kind of dives in pretty deep there. But um, so we got her when she was two. That was considered foster care at first. I guess kinship care is what it would be. Um, Then our second is our only bio. Our third, um, we went through a domestic infant adoption through an agency here in the U.S. Um, And then our fourth was through uh, we went through the call. And we were an open foster home for her for a year and a half before that um, case plan changed to adoption. And then um, our fifth is baby brother to um, our number four. And so that was through um, the call in foster care as well.
0: That's so awesome. And so, I mean, you you really, I feel like you have a lot of knowledge of multiple different types of adoption. Because I know that, I mean, they're all kind of similar, but there's lots of legal differences. And um, yeah. And time differences. I mean, I assume that you had to wait different lengths of time for that. But, um, you know, I wanted to do an episode on kinship adoption. And I know that that can look so different for so many – I don't know, so many different situations, you know, it can be grandparents, mm-hmm. or it can be niece in your situation, or sometimes it's even a sibling adoption. Um right. And I wanted to talk about how difficult it is to love your family member and love their child and who to place the priority or your mm-hmm. um, your attention with. And I I love your story of just hope and redemption. And so uh, why don't you just start at the beginning for us?
1: yeah okay let's go there. so when you <laughs> asked me their day how open I was willing to be um you know makes me a little nervous just bearing it all but every time I get nervous about it I just have to remember or I, I feel like the Lord probably reminds me that really it's his story of just rescue and redemption in my life and it's his to share and also just that I feel like Satan really wins when he can kind of isolate and silence us so yes. I'll just put that out there because you know what it's okay to like to share that so okay so for me it starts with I guess you can just picture this Uh, so my dad brought my mom home for the first time and she was I think I think he was like 18 or 19 she was 18 at the time she already had a two-year-old so she's a teen mom already and very very pregnant with me and so this is not my birth father he was not in the picture um, so he brings her home and introduces her to family and my grandma and, uh, other relatives are like, okay, so what's going on? And he says to them, this is not my baby, but she's going to be. And so, um, you know, he was young and, uh, probably really naive and all that. But what he meant by that was he was going to give me his name. And so, uh, and he did. And so, um, right off the bat, you know, my story is adoption right there. Um, and then, um, fast forward a little bit so when I was seven my my dad passed away and I would say that you know childhood from there on was just it was just real rough and dysfunctional um when I think of my story I think of a lot of like generational cycles of sin and um, abuse and neglect and addiction and um yeah and so you know a lot of teen moms and not that not that that can't be done well but um you know in my family it just led to a lot of brokenness and so um you know this generational cycle of of sin and brokenness um continued and so you know for my childhood that's what it was was filled with you know i know that my mom did the best that she could with what she had um, but I also know as an adult now, looking back, that, um, you know, my sisters and I, we should have been removed uh, and placed in foster care. Um, it was different than, you know, 25, 30 years ago. I don't think teachers even knew warning signs or what to look for. Right. Um, right. You know, and I think we also got good at, like, pretending that things were OK, you know, mm-hmm. and hiding it. And um, so anyways, I think that gave me a really good perspective as an adult of what it is like for kids that even, even though they need to come into care, that, um, that closeness, that allegiance with their family. And, um, even if it's real messed up and real abusive, that that's all that they know. And so they're not going to choose to, to go somewhere else or to be separated with, you know, from siblings. Um, you know, if someone would ask me, then I would have said, no, you know, I would not have wanted that. Although as an adult I can see that I would have I, I, I needed that. Right. Um so anyway, so I was not removed. Um then fast forward um to junior high, high school, I just had such a group of um friends and their parents who really parented me well. Um they loved me, they they looked out for me. I think they kinda knew, you know, that I needed extra eyes on. And um, yeah, so I, I can see that the Lord really kind of even put like a shield around me in a scent and guarded me and put different people in my life to, to kind of draw me to him. Uh, my grandma being one of them and then um, friends, parents for sure. And so when I was um, a senior in high school, I um, moved in with my best friend and her family. Uh, I just got real bad at home. It was, it, it I I knew if I didn't leave, I wasn't going to ever leave and I wasn't going to go to college and, you know, all of that. So it was time for me to go super hard because I was leaving siblings behind that I was um, caring for. And so, um, you know, that was hard. I carried a lot of guilt and shame with that, of, you know, knowing that me leaving meant it was going to be harder for them. Right. Um But, you know, when I moved in with my best friend and her family, I thought, you know, this is great. This will be I'll finish off senior year, then I'll go away to college. And I kind of thought that might be it. But I kind of never left. I mean, I left to go to college, but they've always been home base. Um, So they essentially adopted me. Um, My kids call them Bubba and Gigi. You know, they're their grandparents. Um, It's yeah, it's just it's it's incredible,
0: really. That's so cool. Um. And so, I mean, you're, like you said, your story starts with adoption. And so I know that, you know, we're talking about kinship adoption and it's crazy that, um, that this experience for you, whenever you, you were younger, gave you the launching pad to, um, mm-hmm. to change other lives as well. Um, one of those being one of those siblings, right? That you, um, yeah. so, so might, yeah, go ahead. No, just, I was going to ask, so it's, it was your biological sister, correct? It's her daughter.
1: Yeah. So my niece. Yeah. So what happened? Okay. So um, she was born um, when I was in college. And so, um, you know, I knew that my sister just was not in a healthy place. Um, It's it's hard to, it's hard to explain, but I just, I know that the Lord really kind of guarded and protected my life in a way that, um, I could see then and I can see now. Um, and I was able to get the help I needed, the counseling I needed, um, all of that to heal and to move on from the abuse and all of the trauma and stuff from our childhood. And unfortunately my sister wasn't able to. And so because of that, um, she just was not in a good place, making a whole lot of not great choices. And so, um, her daughter, uh, was not, was not in a safe place. And so, um, it was right around the time that she was turning two, um, that we knew that she was going to need to come into care. And at this point, my husband and I then were just engaged. And so, you know, we knew that, um, she wasn't safe. And so, it was, we were actually the ones to hotline, which was super hard. Um, we lived in Missouri at the time and she was living in Kansas and, um, we didn't have an address. So we had a hotline every day for over a month. Um, when my husband and I knew that she was going to need to come into care, we had to have some real honest conversations about what our role was going to be in that. And we evaluated family members and we knew that it was going to be us. And, um, we we prayed about that, and it was quick. The decision wasn't hard. Um, for me, it was really more of a natural thing of, like, this is my niece, of course, you know. Um, I'm going to be the one to step up and care for her. Um, but for my husband, you know, that that was different in the sense of he didn't, I guess, have that natural instinct, um, but was still willing. And so, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have uh, this uh, book that I think I told you about adopted for life by Russell Moore. And in it, he talks about, um, just the role of Joseph being, um, Jesus's adoptive father. And, um, I don't think that we typically look at it that way, but he explains how, um, by, by Joseph saying yes, you know, to this baby who biologically was not his, um, It just starts the whole, our whole story of being on adoption, you know, and Jesus as well. And then this, it fulfills even Old Testament prophecies, you know, of just the line of that, that family line that needed to happen with Joseph. And so, um, you know, my husband, Ryan, um, when he read that and just knew that like that calling was even on his life, you know, even before we were married, um, his yes just meant so much. And so, um, Because she was in Kansas at the time and we were in Missouri, um, when they did remove her, she went to um, a foster family there for three months for them to do um, interstate, uh, the ICPC uh, paperwork in order for her to be placed with us in Missouri. And that gave us um, four weeks after we were married, uh, before we got (laughs) her. So we got to go on a little honeymoon and, um, you know, like put our apartment together a little bit. And um, then we got this just totally amazing little two-year-old so we had no idea what we were doing and you know we all just learned together so
0: that's so cool so I I mean I say that's cool but that also sounds really (laughs) insane that's a cool story I
1: don't know that living it would have been super yes yeah and you know I think that Looking back, we would always tell people, like, this is not something we would tell people to do. You know, they're young and engaged and stuff. But we knew that it was, like, right for us. Um, it was hard for some of our close friends and family to to understand and to be on board with right away because they knew what we and, – and I guess in their eyes, we're, we were giving up, especially, I guess, on that first year of marriage. Um, we would say it was absolutely the best thing for us. Yeah. For sure. Yeah.
0: I love that. Um, and so, you know, that's that's really the adoption story that I want to get into. But yeah. I do want to hear um, how and why you guys were like, this doesn't seem crazy enough. Let's do this a few more times.
1: Yeah, that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right now, we've been married nine years and I think that we calculated that we're on like a a role of getting an inheriting somehow getting a new kiddo every other year is, is what we're at right now. That's our track record. So I don't think that we'll keep that up hopefully, but (laughs) uh, (laughs) that's where we're at. So, um, yeah, so we decided, um, that, you know, we wanted to get pregnant, um, we did not have trouble getting pregnant. Um, we were we were blessed in that way. Um, it was incredible. Um, our son is, we, we adore him. Um, I kind of thought that we would have more biological kids, but we also said that um, we would just be obedient to however the Lord called us to grow our family and ultimately that all these kids are his. And so, um, you know, we just would take it one step at a time, one kid at a time. And um, I think he's kind of made it clear to us that, that's not going to happen. That we're not going to have any more biological kids. And in a way, I kind of had to grieve that, um, which is kind of strange. Um, I think we part of that also is I I, I often get that as a reaction that um, because we have four kids that are adopted and only one bio that um, I would probably um, struggle with infertility, uh, and I don't. And so, at least not that we know of. And so, um, you know, it's. For us, it's not a plan B, in a sense, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's just the plan that God had for us. And so, um, yeah, we, I mean, it's just insane. The Lord is absolutely insane. So just a little bit, when, after we had our son Micah, then we felt like the Lord was telling us to grow our family more. We were living in Missouri at the time. We looked into foster care there. It was kind of crazy. The worker that came out told us that we would, could really only, ex they were really only looking for people to accept larger sibling groups or kids that were, um, all older than six and our oldest was six and we didn't want to, um, go out of birth order for her. And so, um, she, they just basically said that we were kind of wasting our time, which is insane right? <laughs> because of right. right. Yeah. So that, and that was just one worker and that was just one situation. We felt like the Lord was really using that to lead us somewhere else. And so we felt like we we're supposed to do, um, a domestic infinite option, which is insane. That's a whole lot of money. Um, but the Lord said yes, and we said okay. And I kid you not, we didn't ask for money. We did garage sales. We fundraised. Like $24,000 came in within four months. Wow. So, so I mean, it was insane. like, it was ridiculous. God was like, did you not believe me? You know, He just does this stuff over and over again of like, I told you, you know, to, to, to be obedient in this, yes, of course, I'm going to come through, you know, I'm going to be faithful. And he has over and over and over again. So then we moved to Arkansas to church plant. And then we heard about the call, which is, um, just incredible. And when we had the opportunity to get involved with the call, we felt like this is definitely where the Lord's leading to do foster care again. And so that's when, that's how our, um, daughter and our son came along. So that's so cool.
0: Um, so did you, were you open as an adopt only home or did you um, foster them first?
1: Yeah. So we were not adopt only at all. We were, we were just an open foster home and, you know, of course we were thinking that, um, we were going to take older boys. That's what we had, you know, the room for in our home, but we opened up and the first weekend that we were open we get the call for this two-year-old little girl and we already had a two-year-old little girl so i thought i know how to do this you know not thinking that they were literally going to be two weeks apart and they would be like twins that look nothing alike. um <laughs> but they said she'll just be there for the weekend so i said okay we can handle the weekend and then she never left and so you know <laughs> we i mean obviously that's so no the lord like he knew that you know what i mean and so every time what we have planned, you know, he kind of flips that on his head and says, no, but I have this and it's always better, you know? And so, um, so she stayed forever and then her little brother came. And so, you know, it's just, yeah.
0: Yeah. So I, I know all about that accidental twin life and it, uh, it's insane. It's,
1: it is something else. It's something else. It's fun in some ways and it's crazy in most. Yeah.
0: I love, I (laughs) I refer to them as frenemies, um, (laughs) they're like they cannot live without each other but they also I think that one of them will eventually kill the other um, that's right I tried yeah. I had the worst idea I've ever had in my life that's not an exaggeration to potty train them both at the same time this past mm-hmm. week did it. Oh, girl. Mm-hmm. it was the worst week of my life it was honestly the worst week of <laughs> my life uh, I gave up on one the other one is, is going strong still but
1: <laughs> it oh, was
0: such a terrible decision yeah.
1: I have been
0: there. I did the same thing. Yeah. So, um, okay. I, I love all of those stories and I think it's so cool that you're like, (laughs) you can fit in your Venn diagram. You're just overlapping like crazy. You're like, yep, I've done that adoption. I've done that adoption. I've done that adoption. Um, so that's a lot of fun experience, but like I said at the beginning, You know, this episode, I want to talk about kinship adoption, and I want to talk Mm -hmm. about all the intricacies that led you to this. And, um, I mean, you've already talked about why you made the decision, and, um, equally as important, why your husband made this decision, which I think is so so cool. Um, and I wrote down the name of that book, and I'll put that in the show notes. It's Adopted for Life by Russell Moore, right?
1: That's right. Yes. Awesome. That is that's our favorite book. If anyone ever asks what like we would recommend to read, not even just for someone that's interested in adopting or fostering, but anyone, I mean, anyone who's a believer, honestly, and feels like the church needs to be more proactive on it. This is the book. This is our go-to. So I love that.
0: Um, so first of all, what, um, when did you start? When did you start going into more detail with your daughter about um, how she came to be in your family. I know that you you never hid that from her, right? But I'm sure you didn't. Like, here are all the details right up front.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, I think I tried to be really upfront at times. And it was too much for her. I just never wanted to be in a place where she was surprised by anything. And so but by doing so, I was overwhelming her, <laughs> trying to give her too much information at once. And so, um, you know, we've gone through counseling with her and stuff, which has been so fabulous. Really, it's been maybe more helpful for me to, to know how to um, just walk through a lot of that with her um, as she's a tween now. And, um, you know, I'm going to be dealing with things differently. Um, but yeah, I think that we've always told her as much as we could, but also with being an open foster home and bringing more kiddos in and her watching their stories and then understanding their adoptions, it has opened the door for her to then kind of reconnect with that and understand that and, and even bring up emotions and stuff for her about, you know, birth family and, and all of that. So um, it's been just a process. And I think she's kind of processed along with each of our, our other kids.
0: Yeah. And so what, I mean, has she met her birth mother?
1: She has not since, since the day she was removed she had a couple of, I'll take that back. She had a couple of visits. So when we got her when she was two adoption didn't happen until she was three and a half. So it was a year and a half of, um, her mom trying to work the case plan. Um, and so, you know, we went back and forth to court for a year and a half. That was, it was hard. It was super hard to see my sister in that situation. And for us, to have to decide that saying yes to our daughter meant putting up boundaries with my sister. Right. So um,
0: that was hard, super hard. And not just your sister, but with your other biological siblings and your mother. So how, how did they react to all of this? Did they see you as the bad guy, especially since you were the one that hotlined?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and I, we grew up really close. My sisters and I, um, And so it was hard. I'm still really close to my younger sister. She kind of tag teamed with me. She was, you know, one that kind of helped hotline as well, knew that this needed to happen. Um, And I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty severe abuse and neglect on my niece. Um, Yeah, it was pretty horrific. And so um, it was, it was a no brainer that it, that she wasn't in a safe place. And so um, one of my sisters totally was on board, knew that um, my husband and I were really kind of the best um, option for, for my niece, for my daughter. Um, and, um, my mom, it was hard for her. I think as a grandma and, um, you know, a mom to my, my sister, just, just all of those emotions and everything that was hard for her. Um, probably for her to not be in a place to be able to take her granddaughter, um, and to do what we were going to be doing, uh, and to know that we were in, in that time, more capable. Um, so that was hard for her. You know, I, I remember one time, um, not long after we got, um, our daughter and my mom said, you just think you're the hero, don't you? And so, you know, that was, that was hurtful because obviously we're not doing it for that. You know what I'm saying? I can think of a million other ways to try to be a hero. You know what I'm saying? That's not, that was not our goal. That was not our intention. We felt like this is what the Lord was leading us to. So definitely. Um, and, and, you know, at the same time, I wouldn't say that I had a great um, relationship with my mom anyways. And so this was just kind of um, it. And it, it had just kind of made us put up some more boundaries, I suppose, with with them, really, and it was necessary and in a way kind of to protect our daughter, really. Yeah, Oh, I yeah. imagine
0: and I, I, I could never envy the struggles that you must have had in all the different emotions. And um, if it's okay with you, I kind of want to pick some of those apart. So um, yeah, just talk to me about the anger you felt. Man. Yeah, that's hard.
1: And I feel like some of that is even a righteous anger. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Just see, just knowing and seeing, um, ah, uh, sorry. <laughs> um, just, the physical evidence of abuse on a kiddo is like, like, it's just the hardest thing ever. Um, And I, I think if it doesn't anger you, then I mean, I don't know how you have a heart or soul, I guess. I don't know. So just having to see that and, um, you know, on a kiddo that we loved and not being able to protect her, you know, just, it was hard, super hard. Um, So that angered me that um, she was allowed to be in those situations and um, that I lived far away and that, I, you know, didn't know of a lot of it and that I couldn't protect her. I guess that was my anger. Um, yeah. And just angry at even my sister that she had gotten in this place with herself that, um, affected my daughter so much. So yeah, it's pretty emotional. Yeah.
0: Well, and I imagine you were angry at your mom too.
1: Um, definitely. Yes. Yeah. And I think for me, even dealing with this situation, then you know, brought up a whole bunch of stuff from my childhood, you know, where I should have been protected in a lot of situations and I wasn't. And so then, you know, it's just this reoccurring thing where I feel like, like I said before, this generational curse, this generational cycle of abuse and neglect and addiction and just really terrible things. And so, um, it definitely resurfaced some things in me and I had to, you know, seek some counseling for that, which was incredible. I would recommend anyone doing that. Um, yeah, definitely over (laughs) and over and over again. Um, but it also through that, I, I realized that it is such a gift that the Lord has chosen to write our story this way. And that, um, he has shown me even that he is like putting a stop to, um, to those generational cycles you know what I'm saying with me with my daughter like saying this is where it ends and so um golly that's huge you know what I'm yeah, saying and so yeah. it rewrites part of my story and hers and her kids and you know on and on and on and so it's like for me it's it's incredible but it's beyond that do you know what I mean it's just it's so huge and it's only him so
0: yeah and yeah. well I mean what a cool testimony and what a cool story and I think that um you know, we we started that that little bit just talking about anger, and it's hard to yeah. um, it's hard to stay angry when you focus on just the good that that God is that God is doing in all of our lives, but especially when we open our eyes to be able to see it instead of focusing on the anger. Um, and honestly, I mean, we we've talked about this in the podcast before, but we know that anger is a secondary emotion that's usually rooted in fear or um, that's right and. I know that that had to have been a huge part of it too. And obviously you were scared for your, your daughter now, but at the time your niece yeah. and yes. um you were scared that, that you wouldn't be able to break out of the cycle or just all of these different mm-hmm. things. Um, but you did. And I think it's so great that you um, are continually turning that um, just in your rhetoric and in your words, continually giving that credit to the Lord.
1: Mm. Yeah, man. I mean, he it's, it's just his story. You know what I mean? Like if I, uh, yeah, I could go in even more detail. It's just, it's unreal that, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So, and, and not to keep uh, thriving. I mean, I I hate to say negative emotions because I know that's not really like the PC way to say it anymore, but um, before we move on to some of the happier things, what about that shame? Because I know that that's something that you're probably having to continually turn over to the Lord um, because those feelings, I imagine, probably creep up constantly. Just that you Uh had to make a choice between two human beings that are equally loved and equally, you know, Mm -hmm. cherished and special and, and you had to choose. And I know that, Mm -hmm. you know, you made the right choice, but I know that that has to be so hard for you. Right.
1: Super hard. So with the shame, um, I feel like I struggled with shame towards my sister in knowing that, um, I guess in a sense I had a way out of it, Um, and she didn't get the help that she needed. And so, you know, when everything happened with my daughter, it just resurfaced and, um, seeing my sister's brokenness and the place that she was in, I felt a lot of shame and guilt that, um, that I was able to heal and move on and be in a healthy place. And she wasn't. And so, you know, that I, I wrestle with that a lot, you know, um, I know what she's gone through. And I know that that has led to the decisions that she's made. You know, she's chosen to cope with um, you just all the, the abuse and dysfunction and stuff of our childhood in a way that has led her to this lifestyle. And um, when I remember that and I see her in that light, it's hard to be angry, but just more to be sad and to be broken for her, you know? Yeah.
0: Oh, I can only imagine. So... Um I don't know do you do you still feel that way do you still do you still feel like you should have or could have or whatever done more or anything like that or has or have you been able to move past that at this point
1: Yeah, I think that um I have dealt with a lot of it through counseling that has been good. Um I tend to I'm a I'm a number two on the Enneagram. I don't know if that means anything to you, but <laughs> I struggle with control and pride and want to do everything on my own. And so um, because of that, you know, I would take it on to, on myself and really feel like it's my responsibility to heal her and fix her. And I don't know, whatever. Um, share the Lord with her. Um but i but i also know that god is so much bigger than me and like he can use other people to um speak into her life and ultimately it's going to be him that that heals her you know she needs jesus and um she doesn't need me and so um i think that i have dealt with it and been able to move on in a lot of ways i think i see it resurfacing as my daughter goes through different you know stages and phases and stuff like that, and so that's that's when it kind of keeps creeps back in, I guess.
0: Yeah. So let's um let's talk about that the the some of those wow moments, some of the um you know you've been talking in this this con- you've been talking about just breaking that generational cycle, breaking those mm-hmm. um, those curses, and I'm glad that you brought up Satan because he is. Alive and well in these generational sure. curses, and as adoptive parents, we see this. We see that right. you know, with your environment, these things shouldn't be happening, but because of sin, they are. And you and her, you know, you said it so beautifully. You guys, you guys broke the cycle. You guys are breaking this cycle. Mm-hmm. So, so, what are the what are some of those wow moments where you just look at this and you're like, wow, this is we we've done it, or we're doing it, or whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think when I remember back, even just when she first came to us, um, she was two. She didn't even really talk. She, My husband and I would say that she growled a lot <laughs> and said no. And she, um, I, I worked full time at that point, so we did have to have her in daycare. And so she called every woman mom and every boy or, or man dad for a while. And so, you know, it just even showed... Us that lack of attachment that she had, you know, we were super worried that she would have reactive attachment disorder, and I mean, rightfully so. I mean, she had gone through so much, and so, um, you know, we were just so concerned. You know, we were told lots of different things that could happen. You know, she was exposed in uter in utero and after to some pretty hard drugs, and so, um, you know, we we had lots of concerns, and so it wasn't easy. You know, it definitely wasn't, but. Um, I think even now, I mean, she's in the sixth grade and I, every single time I go to a parent teacher conference, I am a balling mess. I mean, I leave, I try to hold it together there. Sometimes I do. Most of the time I don't in front of the teacher, but I just (laughs) think like, I just want to tell them, like, she shouldn't be doing this well. Like, you don't even know, you know what I'm saying? Like, she's getting straight A's and she, and not that it's about performance. I'm not saying that, but that she is a functioning, like, happy, healthy kid that's doing well and kind to others and just this, she's just incredible. And so, like, it's not supposed to be that way in a sense. And so, um, but she is. And so I'm just so stinking proud that I just want, like, the world to know and those teachers just to realize, like, do you realize this, like, you know, incredible being you've got in class. And I think that they do, but so it's, it's moments like that where I just realized like the work that the Lord is doing in, in her life and how redemption is just written all over it, you know, and she would even say that she wants to adopt. And so like, she wrote a paper about that. And she said, it's just something my family does. Like, we just, this is what we do. And this is my story. And so why wouldn't I, you know, and so just that that is like, you know, built into her and she's excited about it as well. Is it's awesome. What a powerful well, quote. This is what my
0: family does. I right. Just, right. <laughs> I, I love I that.
1: You can say that, you know, but her teacher was crying too. So it wasn't just me. So
0: <laughs> gosh, that's so cool. And I mean, I know that we talked a little bit about this earlier, but what a testimony for your husband as well that he, yeah. I, I mean, he took this on and it wasn't planned. You know, it wasn't like, right. Hey, we're dating. This is a possibility. You know, it's like, right. Yeah, you you came with a lot. And that's so yeah. cool. So I know he's not here. But if you could speak for him, I mean, what do you think his side yeah. of this is, is?
1: Yeah, yeah, he's just like just the very best. He's the most incredible man I've ever met. Um, yeah, he. I, okay, so what I guess I didn't realize then was how uncommon his yes is. Um, mm-hmm. As we've gone through this journey, um, and we've just met A lot of other people through um, foster care and adoption and stuff one of the things that we have noticed is that there, oftentimes there's there's wives that are interested in it and feel like they're called to foster adopt in some way and the the one thing that holds them back is the husband and so um I guess I didn't realize that then that it wasn't super common um for the man to be so um yes I guess you know just so willing um And especially willing to give up, I guess, whatever we would have done differently that first year travel or or whatever. I don't know, more alone time, more dates, whatever it would have been. Um, But he would say that um, what, I guess, what would he say, that his no to it would only be very selfish. Like the only, the only thing that he could come up with to say no would have been just about him. And so, you know, if the Lord is saying go, then he's going to say, okay, yes. You know, because we've just seen over and over and over again that the Lord calls us to something and asks us to be obedient. He's going to follow up and be faithful. And not just that, but like blow us out of the water. You know what I'm saying? Like, we just think that, okay, we're saying yes to this little thing and it's just whatever God's going to be there on the other side, but like, no, he carries us through and then he blesses us, bless our socks off at the end of it, you know? And so, um, yeah. yeah, my husband's super wise and just incredible. And so I think that he's just, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he's the best.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, and I think it's adorable how you're like getting all Giddy just talking about him even almost 10 years later and, and, um, I don't know what his selflessness has done for your family and not, not your family, but y'all's family together, mm-hmm. um, that his completely non-biological child is, you know, that the intricacies of that is just really cool. And it, it is totally like Mary and Joseph's story. And, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I think it's really beautiful. I think that's super cool. Um, yeah. And so, before we move on to some closing questions, I want to ask you know what what does your daughter and what is her name so I can stop referring it's to Lorelei. her. Your yeah. daughter. Sorry. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's Lorelai. Um, is that from Gilmore Girls? It totally is. Yes. Of course it is. <laughs> See, our yeah, our generation gets it, which I love. It's great.
0: <laughs> um, I love that. And Lorelai is clearly the best character in that story, and I do mean Lorelai Senior. So yeah, stand up. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay. So what does Lorelai know of her story? What do
1: you think she appreciates from it specifically? Yeah, I think that she knows all of the details that we can give her that, um, she can handle. Um, so she knows pretty much everything. She doesn't know the depth of some of the abuse. And so mm-hmm. I don't even know how to navigate that yet. We'll walk that, um, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But, um, she knows everything else. And so, um, you know, I guess the unique thing for her story, as opposed to um, our other kiddos, is that since her birth mom is my sister, I just have a piece to her puzzle that I don't have with our other kiddos. You know, I mean, I have great happy memories of her mom and I growing up. And so, um, and pictures and, you know, a lot of a lot of that, a lot of those pieces to her puzzle that I can share with her. And so, um, I think that's super helpful. Um, but did you ask what her favorite part was? Is that what, what your question was? Um, yeah, I think that what, what
0: is, what does she appreciate about her story specifically? Appreciate. Okay.
1: Um, I think she appreciates that she was the first and that she made us mom and dad. And, um, to her, at least at this point, she, is very proud that she's adopted and doesn't feel that um, she's lacking anyway, any way, that she's not our biological child. Um, if anything, it's really the opposite. Our son, since he's the only one who's not adopted, um, she I don't know if she was teasing him or what it was, but about a year ago he came out of his room crying and said, Lorelei told me that I'm not adopted and very upset and so I was like I'm sorry I don't know how to really I don't know how to answer that for you buddy but you're not so you know she just kind of wears that as like such a badge of honor and just, just super happy about that um, so, <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, she, right exactly I'm sorry son I don't know what to say to you but right So
0: <laughs> I failed you yeah. somehow because <laughs> right I'm so
1: sorry I can't make that happen for you buddy
0: Oh, uh, so, yes. that's awesome. Um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I just think that's awesome. So, um, my my follow up question to that is, you know, how aside from adopting her biological daughter, mm-hmm. what is the best way that you have found to love your sister?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that as much as possible, I guess probably in different seasons when I've been able to just praying for her diligently um, and knowing that like, nobody is too far gone and that the Lord just, you know, he is her father and he loves her and he is fighting for her. And even though she may not know that, um, that I can pray that that's revealed to her and that doesn't have to be through me. And so um, yeah, praying for her for sure, but also in a way like doing right by her, by raising her daughter, my daughter, our daughter, whatever. Well, um, and I think I feel, we feel like that to all our birth parents. It's just that regardless of how they came to us, that we are indebted to them, um, in, in some sort of way to really raise these kids well and, um, love them fiercely and, um, you know, show them the Lord every chance we can get. And so, um, yeah, at least I, I hope so. I, I would say so. That's amazing. I think that that's,
0: um, I don't know That's so much wisdom wrapped up in uh, such a short answer. So that's, yeah, I'm, that's awesome. So, uh, as far as closing questions go, I always ask these, but what do you wish that someone had told you at the beginning of this journey? Mm, That's a good one.
1: You know, I don't know, because I think if someone would have told me something, I probably wouldn't have believed it. You know what I mean? And so I feel like, golly, (laughs) we just had to go through it all. You know, I think of that all the time. Like, man, we have been in some hard, desperate places. I mean, this last year alone was super hard. It was just it was like I've probably never cried so much. Well, I'm just a crier, so I don't know. But I cried a lot and I was literally on my face um, just crying out to the Lord a lot over our baby. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it was just, we weren't sure he was going to be able to stay. It was, it was just hard. And so, um, I, I kept thinking that if someone can just tell me what it's going to end up to be like, and I can go ahead and plan and take my heart there or whatever, then maybe it would be easier. But that's not true because that's where Jesus is. He's in the waiting part of that. And that is the hardest place to be. I call it the the limbo, really. It's painful, but it is, it is necessary and it is good. And you can't really be prepared for it. But I feel like if we press into it and we don't waste it, then we come out on the other side stronger and closer to the Lord in just such a desperate and surrendering way that we would do it all over again. And I think that's probably why we keep saying yes over and over again, because it brings us you know on our face before the lord and what better place to be so i don't know you just keep
0: it coming with like all this quotable wisdom i'm loving it i'm like taking notes as we're doing this oh. but um so my follow up to that is always what do you wish you had done differently
1: mm-hmm. i wish that i would have asked for help more mm-hmm. especially early on I think that I thought that if I asked for help, it meant that somehow I wasn't really called to do it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, which is just a real big lie. Um, we're made to, I feel like, do things in community and have a tribe around us and not walk any of this alone. Um, we didn't have the support then, though. We were the first ones in our church at the time to foster um We didn't have anything like the call then. Um, So we just didn't have the sports. So I didn't know to ask for help. I wish I would have. Um, I, yeah, that would be a big one is just invite people in and not even worry so much that I'm going to scare them away. That was another thing is I just even probably still now, honestly, I worry that if I'm really honest with others on how hard and gut wrenching some of it is that it will scare them away from doing it themselves. And I want others to do it as well, because, um, well, the Lord tells us to, and I feel like there's a huge need and man, I have so many people in my life that I know would just rock at it. So I don't want to scare them away by being just brutally honest and vulnerable and real sometimes, um, by revealing how hard it can be, you know? Yeah, no, that is a tough
0: balance. And, um, i mean i I pretty much made that decision when I started a podcast talking about how hard adoption is, but <laughs> right. um, before oh, that God. I struggled a little bit so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um okay, so what is your favorite way that your tribe supported you through it i that's a great follow up to what yeah. you just said, but yes. um, was it you know meals or just bringing you coffee or what was what was the yes. the
1: tangible things man, we have just the most incredible tribe right now. Our church body is incredible. Um, our, just our, our friends in our community, um, near where we live, we just, we have been just blown away really. Um, with at our church, what we, what we do is with each new, um, when, when a family opens their home to foster care, we threw them a baby shower, a kid shower, whatever you want to call it. And, um, especially if they kind of have an idea of, of who they're going to take in or age group or, or whatever, um, to kind of bless them and just fill, fill them with what they need. And sometimes that's just gift cards and, um, you know, gift gifts for food or, or whatever. Um, and so we were blessed big time by that. Um, you know, our freezer filled with food, um, gifts for new kiddos, um, just, just, willingness to to help us out in any way that we needed and so that was huge and and i think even more so just for our people to to know that um regardless of how long a kid was going to be in our home that we loved them all the same and that um even if it was going to be temporary um that it didn't feel like that in our hearts and so um, that we wanted them to treat any new kiddo just like all of our rest, you know, that um, they were part of us. And um, we weren't just babysitting, but they had um, would would forever be a part of our family, even if they went home. And so that just meant it means so much to us to have that. Yeah. And yeah. That, I mean, that's something
0: that you um
1: it's almost hard to put into words
0: because it's not something that there's a guide to necessarily. It's it's a hard right. thing. And I think that that's so beautiful. Um, the, the second part of that question, though, is not it's it's equally as important, but it's less fun to answer. And that's what did people do um, that hurt you or that made you feel alone or misunderstood? Mm-hmm. And I ask this question not to shame anyone, but I think that our support mm-hmm. systems genuinely need and want to know what is not helpful, you know?
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, gosh, that's a good question and hard. Um, I guess sometimes assuming what I need would be it, you know, assuming that like, I just need, um, a break from the kids or I don't know, something, something like that when, when maybe that's not what I need, maybe I just need a dinner or something. Um, I guess just, someone asking me, you know, instead of assuming, um, yeah, what, what need I have at the time. And so, uh, that would probably be a big one. Yeah. And then I guess, you know, with each new kiddo, um, I think it looks crazy to other people and I forget that. So when we have felt the Lord calling us again to say yes. Um I think sometimes people have been hesitant of like, what are you sure? Don't you have your hands full? You know, and you maybe even your home full or your van full or whatever, you know. Um <laughs> just kind of and yes we do, but just kind of worried about um what our next yes would do, maybe how it might affect our other kiddos or us or, or whatever. Um and assuming that they know instead of just supporting us where we're at and trusting that if the Lord calls us to it, he's going to see us through it and he's going to provide every step of the way. And just to not assume that we're crazy, although we may be, but you know, just to support, I guess, even if it seems crazy.
0: Um, I mean, it's not cracking me up, but I'm I'm laughing at your answer because it's like exactly what I said. Whenever I did my, my episode for my own podcast, um, that's exactly what I said. Just like, hey, you know, it might be the quote wrong decision, but we still need help, right. you know. That's right. Um, that's right. So I love that. I think that's a good one, obviously.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, right.
0: Um, so finally, if you could wrap it all up and uh, and sum it all up into one thing, what would be your just biggest piece of advice or encouragement to adoptive families? Mm. Um, and you can, you know, make it even more specific to um, adoptive families who are having to love their family members through something hard Mm -hmm. by adopting their children.
1: I would say that if you know that the Lord is calling you, um, to that, um, especially if it's a family member that, um, you may have to seek support outside of your family. You know, Mm -hmm. you may have to kind of, um, just put the blinders on and some, um, earplugs in and maybe ignore what um, some are saying and advice that's being given or whatever um, and seek wisdom and counsel from, from outside sources or maybe someone in your church or or whatnot. Um, But just um, if you're confident in the fact that the Lord is calling you there, just go with it and um, be obedient to that call and find that support because you're going to need it and be okay with, building those boundaries, um, for yourself and for your family. And, um, to know that the Lord will, will really provide for you. And that, um, even if you have to put up walls and boundaries with family members, it doesn't mean that that is going to look that way forever. Mm. Um, some of that might be temporary and, um, it might change. And so, um, you know, When we said yes, I didn't think that we were going to be forever, you know, cutting my sister off. You know, I'm praying that that's not the answer. Um, But we knew that right then and there, you know, for the foreseeable future, that's what we needed to do. And so, um, yeah, that it doesn't have to be a forever thing. Um, Those boundaries and, and what that relationship, the changes in that relationship might look like. So just that there's hope in it.
0: Yeah, that's a beautiful answer. Um and I think that wow, I'm just that there's hope in it and I think that um I couldn't possibly add anything to that. I think that there's so much wisdom in you and I'm amazed by that. Uh because you're so young and I mean I I'm not I think we're probably around the same age but <laughs> it always is so cool to me when when people have lived such a such a full life in such a short amount of time and that God packs so much wisdom into those few years. So um, yeah, that's awesome. Hey, thanks. Hey, you're welcome. Um, (laughs) But yeah, thank you so much for being on Missy. And I I'm so appreciative that I got to hear your story and got to know you a little bit through it. And I think that it's, uh, it's great that I get to, I don't know, be in this community with you because you certainly add so much to it, you and your husband. So thank you. Thank you. appreciate that. Thank you for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I know this stuff is hard, and I hope you found encouragement here. Remember, you are enough, and you're doing a great job. God wants to be at the center of this journey, and He is big enough to redeem all of our mistakes. Don't forget to check out show notes and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks again for listening.